Hello, movie lovers, and thank you for tuning in to the Movie Man of Georgia show. This week, we'll be having the dead come back to life in the 1999 version of The Mummy. So stay tuned. The Movie Man of Georgia show is about to begin. All right, so we are talking today about The Mummy, the 1999 version. This is not the uh, recent one with Tom Cruise. Nor is it the earlier ones, the 50s and 60s. This is the one with Brendan Fraser, Rachel Wise, John Hanna, Arnold Vosloh, Jonathan Hyde, and Eric Avery. Brendan Fraser in this movie tries to do kind of a comedic, serious role. And that's because he's trying to break away from his movies like Blast from the Past, George of the Jungle, Bedazzled. And John Hanna, on the other hand, is trying to do a comedic act in this, which is a little bit different from what we probably know them all as, and that is in Spartacus. There's a little bit of some role reversals there. Now, just to give you a little bit of background about The Mummy. The, the Mummy was based off of a 1827 book called The Mummy, The Tale of the 22nd Century. And that was written by a lady named Jane Webb. Now, back then... Women publishers were not really huge, and so she published under an anonymous title. It later came out that it was Jane Webb. The movie focuses on the Book of the Dead, the Book of Life, Amun-Ra, as well as on the Plagues of Egypt. Now, the Plagues of Egypt, that's found in Exodus 7, 14 through 24, and they include blood, frogs, gnats, flies, Plague on livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. So those are the ten plagues. Now, the Book of the Dead, that is a book that came around 1600 B.C., and it was a way to navigate the afterlife. Book of Life is for immortality and surviving of death, surviving the bodily death. So you have those two books that are used in this movie throughout the whole film. The main antagonist of this movie is a character called Emotep. Now, I'm going to see if you'll know anything about Emotep. What's going on, everybody? And, and honestly, no, only the uh, only like, you know, basic like restaurant trivia knowledge, uh, surface level, nothing really in depth, not at all. I have a lot of friends that study that stuff in depth, but I was not among them. Yeah, I had a phase that uh, I went through some Egyptology type stuff and uh, actually ended up with a tattoo because of it. Uh, but this is something that was new to me as well. Emotep was, he became kind of like a god. And when you go and you study it out, Emotep was actually an architect. He was not really high up on the ladder at all. Uh, architects were a little bit better than slaves, but not by much, which may be one reason why they haven't been able to find his tomb, because he might have been buried as a commoner. Now, the most famous work of Emotep is called the Dozier, or the Stepped Pyramid, and he wasn't a high priest of the pharaoh like it's presented in this movie, uh, nor was he a sun god or anybody of major, major importance. That's totally to do with this film. Now, the second thing that's presented in this movie, which I want to get your opinion on it, Art, what you believe, is 
cursed tombs. This is based off of cursed tombs. And it kind of presents the question, do you believe in curses? Do you believe that things can be cursed and you can have some bad outcomes from it? So I'm going to get your take. Do you believe that old ancient things like mummies, tombs, and stuff like that can carry curses and can have effects on people? As far as from like the, uh, speaking from like, for lack of a better term, like the straight up spiritual aspect of it, I think some of that holds some merit. Yeah, if, if only because a lot of, especially that era and that stuff, of course, has such a deeply, in their own way, like faith-based spiritual attachment to it. Like you can't have... Uh, one without the other. I mean, even in the same vein where all of this, of course, going as far back as references, the 10 plagues from the book of Exodus, I, uh, be, being really, like all, all sarcasm aside, being purely objective, I think some of that holds some weight, yeah, honestly. Okay, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of things to consider that will actually add to that, because there, this is a little bit too much of a coincidence for my taste, but I'll let the listeners decide, I'll let you decide. Now, cursed tombs, the main cursed tomb that people think of when they think about Egypt and they think about people digging up tombs is King Tut. Now, this is where it really kind of took off, where people really started to believe that there was a curse behind the pharaohs and a curse behind the tombs and what happened if you dig them up and you mess with them. The crew that dug up King Tut's tomb suffered weird calamity, weird deaths. Uh, for example, the first guy, he died of a mosquito bite that he accidentally cut back open and got infected. An infected mosquito bite killed this guy. Now, another guy, he had his house burned down. And then when he went to go rebuild the house, it flooded. Another guy died of pneumonia. Another guy had bat blindness. And another one died of uh, septus. So, I mean, there's all those weird little things tied to this one digging up of King Touch 2. Am I going to say that it is a curse? I don't know. I would go to say that it's just a strange series of unfortunate events, uh, not to be a lemony smicket or anything, but it is very, very odd. Now, why is this mentioned? Again, because the curse is a major part of this movie. Uh, not giving spoilers away, this happens very early on in the movie. Things are opened up, and it brings about a series of events which brings calamity and death upon those that opened it up. So there's a play on two different things in this movie, and one is there's a play on the biblical side and judgment, and there's also a play on the Egyptian side and the mythology side being to the curses and, of course, the mummy himself. So those are two things that are merged together in this movie. How do you think they accomplished this? How well do you think they put this together, Art? Speaking from purely like the movie aspect, like the cinematic aspect, the first thing I've been thinking of, even in the back of my mind this entire time, and it's been said often, and I think it's fair, is that especially when this was first released, of course, for maybe the two people in the audience who don't know, from Universal Studios itself, this is, of course, their rebranding and their remix, so to speak, of their original Mummy movie, like the Universal Classic Monster, I want to say from either the, the late 30s, early 40s, um, Karloff, like we're going that old school classic, and they updated it for the uh, Y2K generation. 
having said that, uh, this is, uh, let's be clear now, as much as we're, of course, doing our best this month to keep the spooky vibes flowing for some obvious end-of-the-month reasons, uh, this is way much less of a horror movie, and, and there's so many people that honestly have called it compared it to, to like a cult poor man's Indiana Jones. And to be fair, that, that's a pretty fair description, but I think what sets this film apart is that there's, it's almost like multiple genre aspect, but at the same time, everything stays in balance. I mean, you've got, it's like the perfect mix of adventure, action, horror, romance, and comedy, but it hits off five of those and does them very well. As far as the uh, as far as the main balance between these two parallels, uh, there's a little bit of almost like a like a script based parallel universe thing going on. But I mean, I, th- I think it succeeds. I think um, it this movie knows what it wants to do and just sets its sights and does it. And because of that, it became a blockbuster. Yeah, and I believe one of the aspects of this movie that really put everything together was the amount of CGI and how well they use the CGI in this movie. You got to remember, this is back in 1999. So it wasn't the beginning of computer animation as far as in movies goes, because that really started back in the 80s and kind of took off in the early 90s. So it, it's, it's kind of the midfield. It's kind of where we've gotten out of doing the Tron-type animations where you have like just you know, glowing lines on the screen, but we haven't gotten to the technology and to the computer animation and photorealism that everybody's demanding in the 2020 and 2021. We, we haven't seen that yet. Right here is kind of, they, they're experimenting with different things, and I find that they did a really, really nice job. This movie was the first to do several different shots uh, and when you see them, you'll notice them as being, oh, that's iconic. Oh, I've seen that in another movie. Oh, that's where this came from. Right. They they push the envelope Absolutely. with a whole bunch of different things as far as the, the animation goes. And as far as doing overlap animation, and for the listeners over that over here that are listening to it, when I say overlap animation, I mean they t- they're taking real-life film footage and they're overlapping and putting another cell on top of the anim- the the movie so that it merges together, kind of like what they did with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where you have the cartoon that's being overlaid on the live action. They did this with some animation throughout this movie, and I think they did it very, very well because it does not look and feel like it is an animated part of the movie. It doesn't feel like oh, this is live action, and oh, by the way, let's throw some animation in. Kind of like, to give another example of one that was poorly done, is Spawn, and the animation that you see in Spawn, it's almost comedic how how poorly it's done. This is not one of those movies uh, with the animation in mind. Uh, What do you think about that, Art? Am I hitting on the point here, or am I just far Oh, yeah, no, no, not at all. It's very much one of those. Uh, uh, everybody knows I always love getting "quote unquote" my two cents in, but for this one, like I'll defer to your and nothing else. I know, like animation and that level of stuff, has obviously been your area of expertise. For those who don't know, for many, many years, and yeah, absolutely, you uh, uh, metaphorically and otherwise hit the nail right on the head. Um, even when I think about this movie to this day, and even alluding to 
I want to say there were two sequels, right? It's technically a trilogy now, I think. But even with that said, especially with this first one, well, I mean, what you said is exactly right. Thinking back, like, I mean, 99 is now, ouch, my heart, been over 20 years ago. And they visually pushed the envelope with so many things in so many ways that without this, well, maybe with this giant pun, tongue-in-cheek intended, even with all these types of movies have literally never been seen before or been done before successfully until this movie. And that just shows, uh, if nothing else, with the head of the helm, and I'm a huge fan of this director, it shows what a talented mind Stephen Summers had to be able to uh, tackle something like that, at least comparatively speaking, with, with hindsight always being 2020, you know, with the technology they only had available in 99 compared to what we have now, the fact that um, even just speaking for the visual effects holds up and then some to this day speaks volumes to the talent of the team. Thank you. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about how this movie relates to our modern-day horror, and then we'll also close with our four-point rating system. So stay tuned. The Movie Man of Georgia show will be right back. We are back, and thank you for tuning in to the Movie Man of Georgia show. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about the 1999 version of The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser as well as Rachel Wise. Now, before the break, we talked about various aspects of the movie and how it was put together. Now I'm going to shift gears and we're going to kind of talk about the entertainment of the movie and talk about how it is this movie has impacted other movies that have come out. Now, the first thing I want to talk about and I want to ask you about, and you touched on it a little bit, Art, is that this movie is not a horror movie. This is a monster movie. Now, since you're the horror fan, I want you to explain, please, to our audience what the difference is between a monster movie and a horror movie so that they'll know what to expect when going into this movie. If I could even throw in the third term, and I promise I'll make this make some sense, this, this to me, at least in my horror movie-loving constant all year long, 365-day brain, is something I refer to in what's been, what's been somewhat called like a gateway horror, and put that in quotes movie uh basically akin to something in the same vein as like i mean the best most well-known example to be honest for, from even before our childhood is the original scooby-doo or um like one of my you know i'm 80s baby at heart all day long one of my favorites out of that specific genre is a movie called um the monster the monster squad from uh 86 uh just anything where it, it has its scary moments like it has those those moments that, that in a good way, like you kind of like a jump scare, make your heart stop, lean you on the edge of your seat, but just enough to like to, to keep you interested in, man, what's going to, you know, I hope they survive this. What's coming around the next corner, the, you know, that type of situation. Whereas as far as like, you know, this isn't a true horror with a capital H movie, you know, where we're not speaking uh, Jason, Freddy Krueger, Texas Chainsaw, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't, um, saw this isn't gross out this isn't makes you want to like cover your eyes and look away from the screen this is enough to just in a good way get your adrenaline flowing um so just know that this and it by its own means is so much more the best way i personally would describe it probably one of my favorite ways to uh and, and as always without spoilers for this movie if there are those two hadn't seen it for whatever reason this is basically uh indiana jones meets a uh, little bit of Buck Rogers meets Jason and the Argonauts. And uh, it's just, they throw it all to blender and what comes out is great and it works. 
I think one of the key points that you you touched on here is that it does not have the look away from the screen moments. Now, that being said, there are some things for younger viewers as PG-13 for a reason, but compared to the, the type of movies that are coming out under the PG-13 rating system nowadays, this would probably rate a PG, uh, to be honest with you, with today's rating system. Uh, now, that being said, I don't believe I saw any blood in the whole movie. I don't believe there's a drop of blood that's actually shown. It's implied, but it's not shown in the movie, which that's one of the right. main differences between this movie and a horror flick. In a horror flick, you're going to have lots of blood. You're going to have lots of gore. You're going to have lots of look away from the screen moments like Art was saying. In this movie, you have implied violence. You actually never see, and this is not a spoiler, you never see actual violence portrayed on the people that it's portrayed upon. It's always done with camera. It's always done with the storytelling. And I believe that's one of the reasons why this makes for such a good movie is that they didn't try too many genres. They didn't try to make this into a horror movie. They knew right off the bat by casting Brennan Fraser, you're not going to get a serious movie. It would be kind of like picking Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey, who, who both try to do serious roles. It'd be kind of like taking them and putting them in their first serious role and saying, okay, this is going to be a super serious movie. We need you to act super serious. It wouldn't work. And we know it wouldn't work because we see from the two actors that I mentioned, when they tried to do serious movies without the comic aspect added, those movies have generally flopped, apart from maybe Jim Carrey with Dark Crimes and with his other movie, uh, I believe it's 2021. Never to be, it's in my brain, because of course I'm that guy, it's one of my favorites. If we're talking Jim Carrey, it's uh, the number 23. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a great movie. But that's a giant sign up, yeah, it's a great movie. Shameless plug. Now, and to go a little bit farther with this, this thought about Munster. I'm gonna I'm gonna put something in here. And this is intended to help you and be encouraged to watch this movie. When we talk about monsters, we're talking about classic monsters. We're talking about vamp the vampire. We're talking about uh Frankenstein. We're talking about the thing from the Blue Lagoon, the mummy, the fog. We're talking about those type of monsters, the werewolf. We're not talking about the monsters as far as Jason or Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers or Texas Chainsaw Massacre Monster. Even though those characters fall within the same genre, because, and here's my point, those monsters are different from what we establish today as monsters. Those monsters we knew are fake. We know they're not real. We know that they're not the person next door. And that, I believe, is an important thing to consider when watching a movie like this, is you know that the monster's fake, and that's why I don't have any reservations to let younger viewers within that 13-year-old range watch it. They're, they don't have to worry about, is this real? Could this happen to me? It's fantasy. And it's, it's written in a way to where 
you're taken on a journey, but you know that this journey can never actually happen. And I believe that's an important point to make in this uh, evaluation of the movie. Now, the last point before we get into our four-point rating system that I wanted to talk about is that this is our kickoff movie. And this is just a plug-in. This is our kickoff movie. We're going to be doing four movies that kind of go with the whole October and scary movie and fright movies. The other movies that we're going to be doing is Sleepy Hollow, Dracula 2000, and then we're going to do Halloween. This is the new one, not the Halloween Kills, but the one before that that we're going to be doing. So I'm going to ask, Art, do you have any final thoughts about this movie? Uh, touch on Benny if you want to, or any of the other characters, and then uh, we'll give it our four-star evaluation. I would just say, at least for me, in summary, uh, with, with tongue firmly planted in cheek, specifically with this 99 Brendan Fraser vehicle, I believe the hype. Yeah, this is uh, without, and, and still remaining objective, like not just jumping on the fanboy train and being biased and things like that. Like truly, this is just, uh, I, I don't want to push the envelope that far and say like a guilty pleasure, but this is very much one of those, like I would throw it on the background just because it's just, it's the word people use the most in describing this, but it really truly is a lot of fun. Like it's very, you know, get you the extra large popcorn with the extra large squirts of butter, turn your brain off for two hours and some change and just get on the roller coaster ride. And it's a blast. Right. I agree. I agree. It's, it's very much one of those watch it and watch it over again type movies. Uh, so it's, it's fairly entertaining, which brings us to our last little bit here. Now, this is the part of the show that we round out and we close everything off with, and we give it a rating of up to five stars based on four categories. Now, if you're tuning in and this is your first time listening to us, these four categories are the gross income, the originality of the movie, the cinematography in the movie, and the overall enjoyment level. Now. For the first one, the gross, I gave it a three-star rating. And the reason why I gave it a three-star rating is because it grossed $416.4 million. Now, you might be saying, wow, that's a lot of money. I would sure love to see $416 million. Well, so would I. But when it comes to movies, nowadays they're ranking up in the $800, the $900 range. So... It gets a three star. Now, back in 1999, it might have gotten a four or five star out of me because of that. So, three star, I believe, is a good middle of the road. Originality, I'm going to give this a 3.5. And the reason why I gave it a 3.5 is because it is not an original concept at all. The first movie was made in 1932, the next one was made in 1955. 1959 another one was made and then all the years in between you still have all the spin-offs you have the cartoons you have like he said the scooby-doos you have the mummy meets so-and-so the werewolf and the mummy you have the monsters the tv series where they run into it you have everything i believe you even had the beverly hillbillies with a with a reference to the mummy in one episode so it's not anything new. So originality, I give it a 3.5. Cinematography. Now, we talked about this earlier in the show with the CGI and the way that it did everything back then. 
I give it a 4.5. And the only reason I didn't give it a 5 is because there's certain places in the movie where it does have a little bit of a fakeness to it. But again, you got to take into consideration this was done in 1999 in the middle of the road as far as cinematography and visual effects with CGI was. I give it a, a 4.5 because it's original and it pressed the boundaries for its time. Now, enjoyment of this movie. We did say it's a fun movie. We did say we can watch it over and over again. Do I put it up there on the pedestal with my top 10? I do not. I think it's a good movie to watch with the kids, something good to watch if you're bored. Also something good to watch during the month of October, especially if you want something to watch with your family uh, that won't give them nightmares. So the enjoyment factor, I give it a four. That brings everything out to a 3.9 average. So I'm going to round mine up and say I give it four stars overall. So I'm going to turn it over to Art and he can do the rating based on his four points. For my for my final four, for my four keys, the four pillars we measure from our review, the uh, box office gross, I'd agree and give it a three. Uh, it didn't do terribly by any means, even to the time, but I wouldn't say it's like a, like a literal Titanic level top of the list either. It did, but it was supposed to do a solid average. I'd give it a three. Um, uh, the uh, enjoyment to the end, the enjoyment factor for me, I'll, I'll be biased. I'll give it, I'll give it a five out of five. Uh, I wouldn't say, of course, it's in my personal top five or top ten of all time, but you, this is one of those you can't help but have like a, a, and I mean this in a good way, like a big happy dumb grin on your face the entire time the movie's playing. Uh, the sequels as well, at least did fairly well for those who don't know, like they're, they're fun, but this first one is just one of those, to borrow the phrase, like they captured lightning in a bottle with this one. It's just a blast. So enjoyment, I'd give it a five. Um, cinematography, I'd give it a, a solid four. Uh, it, uh, like Doug mentioned earlier, given much more his area of expertise, but even now, uh, for those who've seen it now, even comparatively to today, uh, keep in mind all these effects and everything they try to do were done in 99, which now is over 20 years ago, if you can believe it. Wow. And uh, and it's like it really does still hold up, like only for those who really like are experts in the field and know what to look for kind of thing. I think would you notice any kind of discrepancies? But otherwise now, like it, it literally visually is a blast to watch without giving away any kind of spoilers that uh, you're in for a treat. Um. And then last but not least for me, originality, uh, the same. I'd give it about, about probably a three and a half, only because um, from what I touched on from the very beginning, like the it is a bit of a genre mashup, and normally that would weaken films, like they would overbalance, like I mentioned, but for, especially for this movie, it really is. It, like you've got a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of romance, a little bit of horror, a little bit of action, but it touches on each one of those and does it well. Like it doesn't make it week and the, and the script and the story doesn't suffer because of it like they they really did balance it out perfectly uh see did i miss anything i don't think so so that uh yeah that's me it's um if there are if we do have folks out there in the crowd who believe it or not haven't seen this i absolutely recommend it it's a uh, you're in for a ride it's a, it's a it's a real treat especially for the spooky season we're in uh it's it's a really good like um Family film to be, I would say, scary, but like with quotes around it, much like, uh, you know, much like something like Hocus Pocus kind of vibe. Like it, it really is a good um, get your scares with quotes around it in for the season, but you can do it with the whole family and not have to worry about averting little ones. Yep, yep. I agree with you there. Uh, 
uh, your average comes out to four stars. My average comes out to four stars. So this movie gets four out of five stars. Again, I agree with Art where he says that this is a family scare type movie. Nothing too uh, jolting about it. That'll keep you up at night. Definitely nothing to the level of some of the movies we're going to be reviewing later on in the month as we go along with our spooky and scary movie series. Again, if you want to tune in, the movies that we'll be reviewing for the rest of this month are going to be Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp, Dracula 2000, and Halloween. And that's going to round off our series. Again, this has been the Movie Man of Georgia show. Thank you for tuning in. Good night.